this week <laughs> talk about coming in hot um what are we talking about this week oh gosh um what why like mousy looking white girls stop this it's not the episode <laughs> <laughs> no but i i do have to i do have to say a joke with that um i was i was talking about liking or being accused of liking mm-hmm. mousy looking white girls and um I, and then I put a black girl in front of this to say, hey, this is who, you know, would be a, yes. a hall pass. And then the individual said, that's a mousy looking black girl. Wow. And they were right. So I had nothing so else to say. So you just like mousy looking women, not mousy. whether they're black or white. You know, like cute nose. We're talking about Regina Hall here. Okay. Fire. I mean, now that you say mousy looking, I'm like, Do you, yeah, does I she have a mousy element to her? I can see that. Cute yeah, little button nose. Ooh, yeah, like, like the button nose or like big nose, like yeah, mousiness. Anyway, yeah. already we're digressing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, Shalise, thank you for being here. Of course. Um, I, I I think that you know one of one of the things in terms of you and I mm-hmm. is. I, I, I was thinking the last time you and Andrew were on, and I was like, I'm sitting across the table from two people who know where all of the skeletons are buried. <laughs> and, I was trying, oh, yeah. and I was trying to figure out which one of you knows more, and I think because you know me longer. I think I was going to say, I think me. And I'd so, be offended if no, Andrew knew more. <laughs> but one one thing about you, though, I, I, I must say that, you know, you talk about friends and you talk about friends. Yeah. There's never been a time when I've come to you and I'd be like, Shalise, this went down. And you're like, really? You're like, you've always been that person who is non-judgmental, yeah. you're calm, and you kind of keep me in line. So I, I do appreciate that. Anyway. Thank you. Um, wanted to talk about, um, th- there's, there's two items that I wanted to talk about. And I, I, I've gone back and forth because, you know, I like to, to deal with nuance. Yep. You know, it's never just black and white. But... If there are two main issues out there that I wanted to talk about, and and I wanted to discern whether they were actual issues or whether it was generational. And and for those of you, when we get into it, you'll kind of figure out where I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. So the first one um, that I wanted to talk about is this concept called ethical cheating. Um. Where to start with this, um, and 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 I think that the reason I wanted to talk about it is, you know, I know you you're an Android user, so mm-hmm. you know you're not on on Clubhouse, but you know, in terms of the topics that we talk about at the table, I kind of just go in there and I look at the trending and seeing what's going on. Exactly. Now, I would say that you know, as a caveat, Clubhouse, if you look at quote unquote the black population, because there is a a large black population on there. Mm -hmm. It's predominantly female. 
and it's predominantly women in their 20s. Okay. Okay, so that is kind of the audience. Okay. So, you know, this this whole concept of ethical cheating, it's like they're talking about it and and I'm sitting there and I'm just like they're talking about it like it's nothing. Yeah. So do, why don't you, you know, because people are probably Googling now ethical cheating and <laughs> what that is. Um, I'll, I'll kind of give you my definition, but I want to hear your definition of it um, yeah. first. So I'd say my definition is more of, so you're with someone and you come to them and you tell them your intention of stepping outside of the relationship mm. to go cheat with somebody else. Um, and they're saying it's ethical because you've brought it to them to let them know what your intentions are right. as opposed to going behind their back and cheating on them mm. without their knowledge. So it's more ethical. It's more, you know, it's it's approved that way. So the default could be, hey, all right, cool, you're going to do that. Just don't bring anything home. Ray Ray kind of thing. I mean, yeah. I- can I just get into it? Yeah, okay. Go right ahead. Like, I just wanted to set the context. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like, oh my gosh, the two don't even go together. Like ethical and cheating, it's like an oxymoron. Okay, it, it doesn't even make sense to me. All right. And just because you approach your partner and say, "Hey, everything's great between us," or you know, maybe it's not great well, between clearly, us. Clearly, yes. But uh, I'm. Planning on sleeping with Brenda over here. I just wanted to let you know. Right. Like you're supposed to get some sort of kudos for coming to me and telling me what you're going to do as opposed to sneaking behind my back and doing it. Not kudos, but transparency. <clears throat> no. Transparency is the want, key. No. You know why I, that doesn't jive with me? Because it's like if you want to sleep with multiple people, if you want to be polyamorous, don't get married. Okay. You know what I mean? That's that's how I look at it. I'm like, just don't get married. Because if you were, you know, into that, then that's something you should have discussed in the beginning. And, you know, if it's something where you're not happy and you're stepping out of the relationship because you're not happy, mm-hmm. you need to fix whatever that is first because you made a commitment to someone. But, but here's where I would disagree with it. Okay. <clears throat> if he is coming to her mm-hmm. or the other way around and saying, I'm going to do this, and yeah. she says, okay. That's the nature and the dynamics of their relationship. And she has the agency to choose whether she wants to be in there. And 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 yeah. where I'm going with that is, and this is where I was talking about mm-hmm. the generational thing versus us putting our standards right. on 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 what a relationship should look like. Right. And and I just don't know, like I listen to um a lot of Dan Savage. I mm-hmm. mean some people out there might know who Dan Savage is. He's a he's a I guess a sex expert or a sex relationship expert, and he talked about a scenario where there's this woman dialed in and she's like, you know, I met this guy. He's the love of my life. We have amazing sex. Like I want to be with him for the rest of my life. The mm-hmm. challenge is he wants kids and I don't want kids. Oh wow! So she's like, I'm gonna have to leave him. And you know, Dan's like, well, why do you have to leave him? And she's like, because we. You know, we look at life differently. And he's like, well, suppose he then, you know, met a lesbian couple who wanted kids. Mm-hmm. They then have kids. He has a kid with them. Yeah. And they form a union in terms of co-parenting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He is then fulfilling his life purpose in terms of being a, a, a father. Yeah. You still have him in your life and if you agree with that. So <clears throat> that is something that is not a traditional mm-hmm. nuclear, I, I'm going to call it normative or heteronormative like concept. Yeah. So, so then I, I, I then ask the question of, do you think you're then applying your normative concepts in terms of a relationship versus given the fact that we talk about gender fluidity, given the fact that we're talking about people looking at relationships? Because, I mean, it's tough, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that then? If the, if the woman then has agency and she can choose. Yeah. You know what? Maybe maybe it's the, the term that I'm having difficulty okay, with. That's then. fair. Maybe it's the term, the whole ethical and cheating term together because at that point yeah you're right it's more of that transparency and having that conversation and doing whatever works for that situation right and being upfront about it so that the other person can make you know have sound judgment and say okay well this is what I want to do that works for me then let's do it Mm. or it doesn't work for me and we're going to call it quits so do you feel that then as a you know then this is a generation I would say that Mm. is behind you or yeah. younger than you, would you say then as a black woman at in your age bracket, are you then maybe looking at them and saying, well, sisters, like, why are you selling out like that? Mm-hmm. Why are you settling for that? Like, are, do you think there's some element of that that's creeping in or um, no? I think so. I think there's a little bit because mm. I think with this generation, they're so like, you know, you'll hear people all the time saying, oh, those are relationship goals and that's goals. And, you know, it's like I, I'm aspiring and striving to to be like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, why? Like, why are those goals? Like, you're seeing, you know, certain things at face value. Like, they want to say Beyonce and Jay-Z are goals. But you think because they have what looks like the perfect relationship, you know, on Instagram or whatever. Mm. Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. Like, there's a whole lot of crap that happened, you know. Behind closed right, doors. But even that, that got know. glamorized and commoditized exactly. for their own benefit. Exactly. So it's it's crazy. But, um, I mean, there's a part of me, I guess, maybe because I'm old school, it's like, mm. you don't have to settle for that. It's like, you have options. You know, don't don't move and act as if you don't have options. Like, this is all you have and you have to kind of settle for that. Or you're looking at yourself like well, I'm 27 and I'm not married and I don't have kids and mm. I want these things so... I'm just going to, you know, stick with what I have. But do you think there may be where your generation says, okay, I will keep hope to find a man? Mm-hmm. Where they're saying, well, the numbers and the reality means yeah. that that is not going to be the case. Yeah. Right? And because that's not going to be the case, I'm going to have to be in a position where I share a man. Right? Or I have to let him kind of just do his thing and then... You know, he'll get tired and run back kind of thing. So, like, do, do, you, do, you, just see, do you see what I'm saying? Do, if, do you see it from their angle, perhaps, in terms of what they're dealing with? Maybe they just came to terms of the reality yeah. at a sooner point in their life, right? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see it from their perspective. Do I agree with it? No. Mm. But I can, I can understand why they would look at it that way and be like, well... You know, well, he's going to cheat anyway, so let me let him do his thing and still take care of home and be the best that I can be. Or, you know, you know, I, I'm running out of time and I, I want to have kids, so, you know, let me just settle with what I have. I can, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. So, and I know that is 
And it, and it's interesting that you said, you know, when we were having this conversation, you're like, well, this isn't polyamory. Right. Right? Yeah, it isn't. But isn't it kind of a variation thereof? Because there's an understanding there that you're going to expand <laughs> your relationship in terms of the two of you? I almost... I almost feel like if it was truly polyamorous, like both parties wanted that from the jump. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they set the boundaries and, and, and whatnot for what works for them. It's almost like in that situation, it's like, you know, whether it's male or female, they were presented with this. Mm. And it's almost like, well, I feel like I love this person. And in order to keep this person, I have to do this. Right. Or I'm going to lose them. And and see, look, this is so problematic for yeah. me in terms of the black culture. And I, I wouldn't say as much as here, but, you know, in the Caribbean, oh, Lord, you know, I, I guess <laughs> it's the same in every other Caribbean island. But there, the, I, I, I would say at home there is probably, you know, a 10 to 1 ratio of women to men. Yeah. And, you know, it is unfortunately acceptable to be a side beast. It's, it was unfortunately acceptable to be in your 30s yeah. and be a career woman and say, well, I don't have a man, so he can come over, but then he'll just go home to his wife and yeah. <laughs> I don't have to deal with all of that, right? Yeah. And then the wife saying, and, and this is crazy to where she would be saying, well, okay, that's fine, at least as long as you're not paying her bills or as long as you're not have, giving her money and the money stays in the house. Mm. And then it's like, what is? What are the lines, right? right. And I, I, and this is where early on in my formative years, I always had a problem with. I wouldn't say religion, but just organized religion, because yeah. we have this concept of you could be out, and they call at back home they call it sweethearting. Mm-hmm. You could be out sweethearting on a Saturday night, and then in church sitting all oh, prim yeah. and proper, yep. with your wife and your family, and. I'm supposed to consider that you're being pious when right. all you're doing is kind of just perpetrating, right? That's it. And I was like, this is all for show. This is literally all for show. Absolutely. So so do you, do, I mean, when you, when you hear these kind of conversations then, do you look at it in terms of the polyamory piece in terms of women have an agency or like is, I guess is that, is it, is it agency mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, how we see you know, Nicki Minaj and how we see kind of Cardi B talking about taking you yeah. know, and owning the power. Mm-hmm. Is it them agency or do you think it's them settling? Mm. That's a good question. I think it's, um, it could be a bit of both because mm. you have those women that are very, you know, um, assertive opinion. They're taking, you know, control of their lives, especially sexually, and they, they're making decisions on what they want to do and right. no one's going to tell them what they can and can't do. Um, but I also feel like that there's women out there who may have a low self-esteem or are not mm. comfortable with themselves and they're just going along with it um, for the sake of, right? It's almost like it's a cover-up, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to do all this because it makes me look like I'm powerful. It makes me look like I'm, right. I'm strong and I'm in control of my life. But really, I'm just kind of, I'm not really there. Mm, okay. So I, I'm not even going to ask you any question because you run your business. But... <laughs> I I know of women your age who, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's been either one of two things, and and I'm finding that 
you know, women your age, particularly black women, they've gotten to the point where they're like, when I say I don't need a man, I'm really saying it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not just saying I don't yeah. need a man. Um, so, but it's gotten to the point where they've kind of not happy with it, but they're come to terms with it. If somebody mm-hmm. comes in their life, they will. But it's almost as if they are, if they've gotten to the point where they've kind of taken control and agency of, in terms of, you know, being at peace and being alone, which I'm not happy about, but right. that's the reality. So they would, you know, invest their money in a nice car or traveling mm. the world or just something else to say, well, I'm not going to sit here like a spinster at this point. Yeah. I'm going to go and enjoy my life, right? Yeah. Um, now, my sample size is very small because mm-hmm. you know more black women than me. Yeah. So uh, how, in terms of your... In terms of your friends or in terms of that particular set that are single, mm-hmm. yeah, how are they kind of, how do they, how do they deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I have, you know, some friends that are very much like that. I don't need a man, you know, anything mm. I want, I can go out and get myself and what do I need a man for? And then, you know, there's others that are, no, I need a man, mm. you know, and I'm going to concede and do whatever I need to do because I need that man. It's, it's a fine, it's a fine balance, you know, between the two. Not saying you need to completely go out and, you know, just settle. All right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I think, especially black women, we're always taught we have to be strong. Mm-hmm. We have to, um, you know, take care of ourselves. We have to, we can't be dependent on anybody. Um, and sometimes I think we can take that a little bit to the extreme mm. in some cases. Um, but I think, you know, women, we absolutely need men. So we have to be willing at some point to... Compromise. Pick right. and choose. Pick your battles. What can you live with? What can you live without? And and compromise and find that happy medium. And it's so interesting. You you talk about the the concept, and I'll, I'll call it the concept of a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think it's actually been more detrimental, right? Mm-hmm. I know I know that black women have used that as a, a rallying cry, right? But I think it's been one of those things to where when they say it, and 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 this is patriarchy that yeah. reinforces it to say, well, it's e- either they're threatening men who mm-hmm. were raised by their moms mm-hmm. um, or they are seen as, you know, belligerent or they're seen as so strong-willed. It's yeah. like, well, I don't want to deal with them kind of thing because all they're going to do is give me grief kind of thing, right? So it's almost as if, like I said, you, yeah. they've used this as a rallying cry, but now, um, I can't remember, I saw a doc- documentary on it, but you know, there were black women saying, like, this has actually worked against us, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because a conversation I had um, with someone where they asked me, you know, like, if 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 I had described them to somebody, right? Yeah. If I said I met somebody mm-hmm. and I described her, like, how would I describe her? Yeah. And I said, um, resilient. Okay. And she was like, mm, I really don't like the, the fact that you called me resilient. Mm. Right? And this was a white woman. Okay. Right? And she said, mm-hmm. I noticed that when you talk about your friends, mm-hmm. you talk about them as being strong. As you talk, when you talk about your black yeah. girlfriends, yeah. you talk about them as strong. And then when you talk about me, it's resilient. And to me, I consider strength and resilience to be interchangeable. Yeah. But it's so interesting mm-hmm. that that trope has become so ingrained in terms of the synonymous thing between strong and black yeah. woman 
that they weren't able to see that I see strength in resilience too, right? right? To where, yes, black women are resilient too, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have necessarily kind of used that term kind of thing, right? So is it me who diverted to that? Is is what I'm saying, mm, right? Yeah. Based on it wasn't it wasn't on her, but it was at me More who yeah. kind of went to the strong thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's interesting. And 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 that now that you brought it up, it's like I can see that, right? Because mm. it's like it's it really is almost like a default. You know, it's like you describe women as like, oh, it's a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. You don't hear people say, Oh, she's a strong white woman. Right. Like you never hear that. Right. And yeah, it, it's become synonymous. So but, maybe by default you were just like, oh yeah, it's so strong, and you know this and the other, and it's like you weren't even conscious of what you were doing, right? But it causes another trope, yeah. I think to where if you're saying resilient, if a woman, white woman's resilient, mm-hmm. it means she'll put up with a lot of bullshit, and then it then it has this other trope of the whole thing about interracial and why. Mm. Men are, black men are dealing with white women because yeah. it's like, oh, she'll put up with my bullshit and she'll, you know, go make me a sandwich kind of thing, right? Versus, yeah. right? So I, I, I'm mm. just saying there's probably subtext and there's probably oh, yeah. layers to that, right? For sure, that for sure. could be kind of pulled at. <clears throat> and, you know, it's it's so interesting that my response, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and you've, you've kind of known the people. <laughs> <laughs> I said there have been... <clears throat> Black women mm-hmm. that I've dated that have been very meek. Yeah. And there have been mm-hmm. white women that I've dated that have been very strong. I can think of two that come straight to mind. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, when yeah. I look at it across, with sample size-wise, yeah. like, you know, there, there's some I would not cross. Yeah. Right? So it's it's interesting, like I said, in terms, yeah. of, in terms of how that trope came through. Um. But I wanted to circle back on on something and it'll probably get us into the next topic of yeah. <clears throat> I had a conversation about feminism mm-hmm. and, and what feminism mean and has feminism evolved. Yeah. And I know that this is a tricky conversation for black women because I don't feel even to this day, to this day, I don't <laughs> feel even to this day that the feminist movement has accepted Black women. Right. I think that when we talk about the intersectionality, it's like there's, you know, I I just call it out in corporate. Yeah. Every time you see the same white women just banding around each other. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, when we worked at, Mm -hmm. and I was part of the, you know, the networking group. Yeah. And I used to try and encourage black women to go and join those particular groups because I'm like, we need to make sure that we branch out and learn and, and come back. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they would say to me, like, we don't get accepted there. Oh, yeah. Like, right? in Still terms to this day. <laughs> like I said, to this day, right? And they don't even realize yep. that within that movement, they are reinforcing white supremacy. They are reinforcing patriarchy, Mm -hmm. right, within that particular particular space. So there's really been no spaces for black women. And when I see that black women are creating their own spaces, Mm -hmm. I love that. Because even if you look at, I remember we were, I was, um, you know, in terms of the affinity group, in terms of where I work, we were talking about Black History Month and then moving into mm-hmm. Women's History Women, Month. Yeah. 
And I said, uh, you know, it would probably be cool to talk about the challenges that women have had within their own groups, right? Because if you look at something like the Black Panthers, where on the surface, as it relates to not people, but as it relates to our culture looking at the Black Panthers, we looked at it as something that was, you know, free food program or defending the community. But the stories that you heard inside the Black Panther movement was Mm -hmm. take notes and get my coffee. Yeah. And then... You know, as black men, they're reinforcing that patriarchy. So mm-hmm. then it's a space to where you're not fitting with white women. You're right. not accepted by black men in a movement. So, you know, creating the space kind of thing, right? And yeah. that's why, you know, last week when um, Khadijah was here and she was talking about, you know, creating a space, mm-hmm. you know, for black women. I'm like, okay, well, I can see that. That's pretty cool because yeah. you can talk about those things and you can be yourself and you could be vulnerable in that space given it's the right people and the right yeah. vibes because i mean that can be tricky too definitely um but i i am <clears throat> i'm cool with that i am and and the funny thing about it is some men actually black men actually feel threatened by that and i i, I remember i was i was yeah. i was watching i was sorry listening to this podcast um ezra <clears throat> klein check ezra klein if like it's he gets a bit wonky policy wise but some <laughs> of the stuff that he he it, some of the stuff that he talks about yeah. has been like such a paradigm shift for me, especially mm. like my approaches to COVID and everything like that. But, right. but so he had somebody on talking about why are there so many black men voting for Trump? Like why mm. were there so many black Republicans? Yeah. And, you know, growing up, like I, when I, I heard of black Republicans, right. it was, you know, policy Republicans, like guys who were just like, you know, economic guys to where they're like, I'm an entrepreneur. So yeah, I, I'm going to, yeah, they're going to give me tax breaks. But now it's got to the point where it's um, when they started talking to these black men in terms of why they wanted to vote for Trump, mm-hmm. it was, they felt black women had too much power. It felt like yeah. they were being emasculated and they had to kind of go to that, that trope. Right. Anyway. So I, I know I'm kind of rambling no, on, but, but conversation yeah it's it's crazy right so but what i wanted to ask you is kind of to circle back is when you look at feminism Mm -hmm. let's just put it in the in a in a black female context or just in a context outside of color like what is your definition of it and how do you look at it yeah um and i think there's extremes to everything Mm. you know um for me when i look at when i think of feminism i think of you know Loving your feminine energy. I think of owning that feminine energy. Mm. um, Empowering women. um, And it's supposed to be creating that safe space for all women Mm. um, to be able to be successful, to, um, you know, participate as, you know, equal participant in in society. Um, And again, there's there's levels to everything, as we just talked about. Yeah. Um, but it's, again, there's extremes, right? So, and I think it's always the extremists of anything that kind of give things a bad name. But okay. at the essence of feminism, it's, you know, having equality. It's, um, you know, embracing and empowering women, mm. you know? So for me, that's what is at the core of it. Yeah, and and you kind of set me up there in yeah. terms of the, the next piece because <clears throat> I, 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 I think that when the term got co-opted 
initially in the 70s and and I I think there's a um there's I can't remember the show. I think it was on Hulu called Mrs. America or something like that mm-hmm. where I was talking about the feminist movement and Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan and and um they had, you know, Shirley Chisholm in it and um so but it, the the whole conversation is in terms of the the equal rights act what did feminism mean and and back then in the 70s because mm-hmm. they were trying to push for equal rights so much right it was pushing to be equal to men it was pushing to be in spaces mm-hmm. to where it's like we can do the same right but i found that it th- th- there then became a point where it was over indexed mm-hmm. right and what i mean by that is you know if you look at phyllis schlafly who was you know a, a Christian conservative Republican woman, yeah. she was actually saying that, hey, if I choose to be a housewife mm-hmm. and I choose to take care of my with my of my yeah. family, isn't that feminism too? Yeah. Right? And they were kind of shouting her down mm. because of the way she lived, because they were like, Don't you feel you're oppressed? Like, don't you feel like mm. so it got to this point where it's like you're kind of talking down to her, but shouldn't yeah. feminism not be the 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 fight to get into these spaces for equal right, but the the right to be able to choose, yeah, what you want to be, yeah, right. And I don't I don't know if that has necessarily evolved in terms mm-hmm. of thinking, and and so and the reason why I'm saying this I is think it's getting there slowly. Right. But see, but this is this is this is the this is the inflection point that I'm talking about because. Yeah. Is the new generation mm-hmm. saying we have agency and we have choice? Yeah. And we're not bound by these things, yeah. right? So if I choose to be like this, if I choose to be mm-hmm. like this, if I choose to be like this, how can you judge me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And which then kind of brings me into the next topic, <laughs> um, which is it's, a, it's, a, it's such a weird term pick me girls pick me pick me um <laughs> and I, I i i mean there's a there's an element of it being derogatory but there there are certain levels to it so yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna let you set the stage by you telling us what you consider to be a pick me girl okay so for me my definition of a pick me girl is um you know it's that female that is um, almost like degrading, throwing, you know, another woman under the bus mm. um, in the attempts that she can garner attention from a male okay. by saying what she's doing or how she looks at things is wrong. You mm. know, pick me because I would never do that. And, right. you know, it could be something as simple as, oh, I don't wear makeup because, you know, I believe in natural beauty putting that other woman down that chooses to wear makeup and saying, mm. oh, don't go with her. Pick me because I'm a natural beauty type right. of thing. That's do, like, for me, the definition of a, of a pick me girl. Do you think that there are, do you think that there are either misogynistic undertones oh, yeah. to being a pick me girl? Absolutely. Or there are self-esteem issues. Both. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was going to say, it's, it really is, it really is, both, right? It's hard to just say it's one or the other because right. it's almost like bullying, right? Bullies kind of bully someone else because underneath it all, they've got insecurities and mm. self-esteem issues. So they bully someone else to make themselves feel better. Yeah, It's the same type of <clears throat> dynamic with that whole pick-me-girl. 
And I, I think it's, it's really interesting because, you know, when I, when I read, you know, when, or when I hear examples of it, mm-hmm. um, they usually talk about pick me girls in the context of, oh, I like motorcycles and I like cars and I like, like, I like yeah. all the things that you like that you and like. I want to be part of your world exactly. kind of thing. And I, I love to cook. Well, yeah. I love to satisfy my men. I like to be in the kitchen all day and then still come home and you can come home and I'm still sexy for you. But you know what, though? (laughs) That could be, but that could be a traditional woman. I mean. (laughs) I'm just saying that could be a woman who thinks that's the definition of a wife. So is that a pick me girl or is that just. It's a slippery slope still because like it's it's helping to reinforce that um, unattainable image of the perfect woman that a man might have right in the sense of um you know i can still i can still go to work i can still wear makeup and look beautiful but then when i come home i can still have a full meal cooked for you and i can do all these things pick me look i i i think the whole i i mean i I, and i don't and and, and this is where i get stuck because Mm -hmm. i'm like is this a generational thing yeah in terms of guys who are you know, asking for women like this because if a woman approached me and mm-hmm. was saying, you know, here's all these things that I like and they're saying that they like that stuff because I like it. Yeah. I'd be like, don't you have your own space? Don't you have your own <laughs> life? I don't want you encroaching <laughs> on my life and my space. I, I want you to have your differences, right? So but I feel the trick is they're doing it in such a way where they're making the other women look unattractive right. and less desirable. And because I can relate to you, like, say, well, I watch football and they're throwing things out there. And it's like, oh, you're kind of interesting because like, I, I like that we can have a conversation about mm, that. Mm. But see, you have nothing, you know, to relate to with that woman over there because she just likes makeup and stuff like that. So so do you think that if a, a woman presented herself and said, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I... I, I'm that's cool. I can understand that you run your business in this way, but this is how I run my business. If they said it in a different way, if they didn't say it to where it feels like they're yeah. degrading women or degrading, you know, within the culture. Yeah. Do you think that would change though? It wouldn't be as bad. I don't think it would be as bad because you're not tearing down, you know, another woman, throwing another woman under the bus or, you know, ripping up the fact that she likes to do things a certain way or live her life a certain way um, so that you can look better in the eyes of a man just to get some attention. But that's, It wouldn't be as bad. But that's not what I asked you, though. How what? would you perceive that woman even if she said, I respect you for running your business yeah. this way, but this is how I choose to run my business? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that that would be bad. It's almost like when, you have, when you're in a meeting, right? <laughs> Someone presents an idea and it's like, yeah, that idea sucks. We need to do this. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, you know, that's a that's an okay idea and we could do this. It, it's that different undertone, that different context, right? It's like, yeah, that. I mean, that's okay. And we can also do this. It's like, yeah, you, mm-hmm. that's great. <laughs> and my idea is great too. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I, I, just, I just went tangential in my brain in terms of meetings because when I'm sitting in a meeting <laughs> yeah. and I know somebody – is bringing pure bunk. Yeah. I 100, if, if you hear me say, help me to understand. Oh, you, you know, it's right. you in trouble. <laughs> help me understand. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm struggling with this. Talk yeah. to me like a five-year-old. It's like, no, I want you to be able to explain it. Anyway. Right. Um, so 
in terms of the pick me piece, so I and and, and the reason why I kind of came yeah. to this to this piece is I see a lot of conversations of you need so in in, in Clubhouse mm-hmm. you need to pay for everything right at the mm. man okay or it, one was so funny it was like. 50-50 equals you want a roommate. Like, you don't want a wife. <laughs> like, like literally, they were, like, saying, yeah. like, no, if I'm, if I'm paying bills or I'm paying anything along those lines, mm-hmm. you, don't want, you don't want a wife. You don't want me, right? So a lot of these conversations, I find, are monetarily driven. Mm. Now, from what I can see with these individuals, they're running their own business. Yeah. They have their, you know— they're they're kind of they're on the hustle they're on the grind they're doing their thing yeah so when I look at that then I'm just like okay and and I, I and I had a conversation where it was like I said you know if if I met a girl and she was you know fine and we had a conversation and then she said hey yo before mm-hmm. we get into anything I'm letting you know mm-hmm. yeah I got my job and everything and yeah. I could pay for my hair and nails, mm-hmm. but I expect you to pay for it. <laughs> now, I said, okay, cool. I would do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was a surprise mm-hmm. that came over their face to say, you? Like you, yeah. who, like career-oriented woman, yeah. Ray Ray? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're getting soft in your old age. No, it's not <laughs> that. It's... Back to the whole original conversation mm-hmm. of transparency. Yeah. Right? To where I rather her tell me. Tell you up front. Up front, right? And I don't think into. she's a gold digger yeah. because of that, right? Yeah. I, I think she's being up front and it's like, okay, cool. We can yeah. go from there. So that's where, you know, that's that's where it kind of ties back into the generational thing. Yeah. To where if you know, somebody your age or older mm-hmm. will say, well, that's not how I operate. Yeah. Right? I want to be able to pay for my own stuff and mm-hmm. I want to be able to, you know, I don't want to depend on a man. I wasn't yeah. raised to depend on a man. And I'm like, well, she's not saying that yeah. she's depending on a man. She's like, sure. she doesn't say she wants to depend on a man because she's not saying, hey, I'll put up with him cheating on me or beating right. me as long as he's paying for this stuff. It's like... Or I'm not going to work and you have to pay for everything. Yeah, she's yeah. saying, if you don't come correct, mm-hmm. I'm still going to kick you to the curb. Yeah. Right? But then, you know, I'm, I'm still going to kick you to the curb and then I will go and pay for that stuff myself. Right. So to me... It's almost like she's trying to set the stage to say like, I expect to be treated a certain way. Right. You know, I like to be spoiled. I like to be, you know, and, you know, it's, I feel like if you did pay for things, I still feel like that particular person still works, has her job, could still pay for her own things and would. Maybe it's almost a little bit of a test to see what you would say. Like, would you pay for my, mm, you know, me to get mm. all my stuff done? But isn't, know. but isn't this having, her having agency to be able to yeah. say this is what I want? And I, cause, I, I personally don't think her that is her being defined as a woman, as a person. Yeah. Right? And like I said, automatically, and I'm not blaming women my age, yeah. but they automatically tack to, mm-hmm. well, how was she raised, this and that, and all of that stuff, right? Yeah. And it's it's interesting that when I heard that, mm-hmm. when I heard that say them say that, I was like, oh, that sounds like a pick-me. Mm. That person sounds like a pick-me. Yeah. But... Given her age, yeah, she's not a pick she's me. Not in that. She's just saying, 
Like, that's not how I was raised. But I said, well, you got to give her props as a feminist because I think she's a feminist because Mm -hmm. she's able to have agency in terms of her laying down the rules, her saying what she wants, right? And and to me, it's a lot better than somebody being subtle about it, i.e. you go on a date with them. (laughs) <laughs> they see your car and they find out where you work. And it's like, oh. And then okay. you go out on one date with them to dinner. And then the second date, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is a nice restaurant that I've never tried. <laughs> we here. should go there. And yeah. it's like, and then the it starts ratcheting up. And then I'm wondering, it's like, am I food bay in her phone? Right. <laughs> like, like, Saved in her phone as food bay. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> actually, I know one of your friends. Who, anyway. Right. <laughs> It wasn't me, but she literally told me this dude used to take her for Korean barbecue all Listen. the time. And I was like, oh, Lord, don't share this with her. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, okay, so we've, we've yeah. kind of exhausted that one. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to talk about something that I, I've thought about. Okay. Um, in the movies category. Okay. You meet a guy, mm-hmm. you go out on a couple of dates, not at your house. Mm-hmm. Just let's say this is post-pandemic or pre-pandemic. Yeah. And then you finally invite him over, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to get down, just to, you know, hey, you know what? We've gone out a couple of times. I'm comfortable having you in my space now. Okay. Um, and you want to not impress him, mm-hmm. but kind of say... Hey, this is if you you want to put in a movie, okay, and you want that movie to define you. Yes, right. What movie would you put in? Um. So for me, again, I love Love Jones. Okay. Um. So that movie is just everything on so many different levels. Um. The photography, the the music choice in that, you know, I. The whole story of, you know, you're getting over a heartbreak, you meet someone, and it's like that instant connection. But you're still trying to play a little coy, a little hard to get. Mm. And, you know, have that build up and the tension is just there. And then finally it's like, boom. (laughs) That movie is everything to me. Yeah. And people, this is not rehearsed because that is is my... See, that movie's tricky though. Why? Because you've only dated black guys and if you throw that movie in yeah with a white girl it's a a different feel absolutely yeah yeah because there's stuff it's a cultural movie for sure yeah right (laughs) for sure like when they're all sitting around and oh yeah you know having the conversation vibing so yeah that is like that is like I would look over and I'd be like yeah that's not kind of landing or resonating but I mean, that's that's the type of movie where <laughs> I it, it, what I like about that movie is yeah. they were able to put every element of a relationship, yeah, in that movie in like, but not make it seem very trite, like not yeah. make it seem like okay, here's boy lose loses girl, you know, that's and it. it's it's like you know the fact that you know they kind of met, and you know when. You know, um, Nia Long is talking to her friend in the cab, mm-hmm. right? Oh. See, see, <laughs> and, and I was like, 
I was like, that's kind of crude that women are talking like that. I thought men do. Would the, right. But then, yes, women would be like, yeah, we do talk about that, right? Literally. And you know the you know the whole thing about him going into the record store and yes. you know just and coming to her place and you know I I the whole making breakfast. <laughs> He and the fact that he was like you know when he was talking yep. to to um I, I can't remember his, his his friends and they were playing pool yeah Savan yeah Savan yeah and he's like I made eggs man <laughs> you made cheese omelets <laughs> yes. what it's like which kind of what is she having there she put but, it down on you <laughs> but but that's the thing yep. when he said you know she put the voodoo she put the santeria all yes. of that on me <laughs> when you hear him talk about that it's like. I know what that feels like. I know when somebody throws that on you and you're just like, just like listen. I have no control over that, right? What was, it, what was the, the the phrase they use? Once when that Love Jones hit, it hits like a motherfucker or something like that. It's yeah, like, and you're gone. You're gone. And I one part that you and I laugh about <laughs> is um when after they went out and they went back to her place. Yeah. And it's like She's like, okay, you can come up for one like, drink. Like, I just want to talk. Yeah, He's like going back to the motorcycle. It's like, I mean, Nina, I just want to talk. And from there, that from that move on, you know, okay, it, it's on. Because there's so many conversations where it's like, yeah, I just, I, I just want to talk. talk. And it's like, no, that's not happening. And then the other part where um, he's on the couch. Yeah. Where she makes him sleep on the couch. Oh, yeah. It's like, I can't tell like, you the amount of times yeah. that it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm too tired, too drunk to drive home. Can I just stay? And it's like, you're not getting none. <laughs> so, and 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 you know, just the interesting part of when she went back to Marvin. Yeah. Right, because she was like, I can't deal with all the drama because you know he had his girlfriend, yeah, calling and kind of thing. And then he, she went back, and she's like, No, what, what is this? And yeah. so many times, it's yeah. like. You've gone back to the person because you want that stability, and you're like That's maybe it. kind of thing. And it's like she was just looking at him like this is the same Negro, like, like what the hell, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think the the only kind of movie that would rival that would probably be Love and Basketball. Yeah, and I think Love and Basketball is I I would call that a more mature movie. Yeah, um, and and not mature in the sense of um, you know their ages, but the 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 development and the growth of their yeah. their relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that is the kind of relationship where it's like when you're younger, yeah, exactly. You're, you're okay with having the turbulent mm-hmm. Love Jones kind of thing, yeah. Um, but the fact that they started off as friends, that's it, and then lovers, and then and the- that's why it was such a good movie too. Like Love Jones is that love story that yeah. you know that that sexy movie. And love it's and the, basketball, the stylized, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then love and basketball, it's 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 a, a great movie because it takes you from like childhood, and you have that childhood friend. And I think everybody can relate to having like you know that childhood friend that of the opposite sex that you kind of grew up with, and you have that connection of friendship, but you also have that love for that person because you've grown together over the years for so long, right? And then you have that one thing that kind of connects you, which is basketball. And watching that develop over the, you know, the course of the movie, their friendship developing into that love and then having basketball is that one thing that connects them and yeah, finds them. Yeah. Like, and and so uh, before I go on to the next <clears throat> part, do you remember what song was playing when you got your V-card swiped? Because mm, every time 
women's work. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Your face. That song, man. There's just something about that song that just... I know you You want to start crying every yes. time you hear that song because you remember and prom it takes night. You to that, right, but it also takes you to that scene in Love and Battle. When I hear that song, That's I think of that precise moment where she got her acceptance letter and they go back into her room oh, and they realize like, okay, this isn't just friendship. This is love. Um, <laughs> I, 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 and and I, I love that, you know, throughout the development of their relationship and friendship there was always friendship at the at yeah. the b- bottom of it yeah and there was always her supporting him and you know the other way around yeah. right like you know when he tore up his knee and you know yeah. and and all of that other stuff and i i i would say the most emotional part of that was when she said i'll play you for your heart right. and he was jacking her right oh. up and i see but see you look at it like that yeah but i was like yeah crush her like no. <laughs> Like run up twenty one on her and no white. I was like, and just walk away. And no, she's like, man. <laughs> that that scene was everything because it was just like, oh my gosh, no, she can't lose. That we were just rallying behind her, like, no, she can't lose, she can't lose. And then when she lost, it was just like, this can't be it. Like this can't be the end. Yeah. Then he so, came to his senses. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I am done in terms of what I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> anything else you wanted to talk about good convo um no i can't think of anything else all right we'll we'll end it early we'll end (laughs) it at 50 minutes um all right this is cool yeah um next week so here's the thing this is gonna be a cool connection okay and and see i'm saying this now because to make sure that she doesn't chicken out because christine rooms yeah yeah i'm calling your name and i'm putting your name out in the street (laughs) on blast when I told her yep. that we were going to be talking about these topics, mm-hmm. I text her and I'm like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Like, yeah. come. And she's like, oh, I'm going to see my parents. And I'm like, fine, fine, fine. And then she's like, what are you guys talking about? And then I told her and she's like, that's my wheelhouse. And if you see her social media, <laughs> yeah, that is her that's wheelhouse. Her wheelhouse. <laughs> and she's like, well, I, she's like, I need to go back into the calendar and make sure that I'm here. So hopefully she'll be here next week okay. for us to talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she'll have her views. Yeah. On this, on both of those topics, but here is the connection, and this is why I wanted both of you on. Okay. My love for Amory, third straight wheat, Amory, <laughs> you to call me. My love for Amory. Yep. You can blame her. <laughs> because when we were working, I, I remember I came to her desk and I think she had the, the first CD. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, who's that? And then she's like, and then she lent it to me and I was like, oh, I got it. Like, oh. And then ever since then, we yeah. were like new album kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I often want to put pause on you. What is your issue with Amory, by the way? Honestly, I don't have an issue with her. She's okay. I mean, she's not like, she's not fabulous, but she's, she's okay. She has some bops. <sighs> I'll give her her credit. She started that, I don't even know what they termed that sound. But she kind of like started that. I can't remember the name of that sound, but yeah, she had some bops. I'll give her that. But I mean, am I going out and searching for an Amory album because I think she's such an amazing singer? No. Sorry. She's a good singer. Anyway. She's all right. So Christine will be on next week. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. I think I think one of the things I said that we might talk about is um, I I she's big 90s R&B. Huge 90s era. R&B. Like, mm-hmm. She's solid. She's really solid. Yeah. 
I, I almost want to do an 80s versus 90s R&B because 80s is my groove. Like, I, like, and, and it's so funny. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people who love their 90s R&B, but when I break out the 80s R&B. But 80s is so good too. I know, but when I break out the 80s R&B, mm-hmm. it'd be like, oh, I never heard this song. I never heard this song. It's like, yeah, because 90s R&B yeah. is your thing. 80s R&B is my thing. Like Alexander O'Neill. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, that's some, that's some, and a lot of people don't know Alexander O'Neill. And I'm like, this dude used to throw it out. Yeah. So maybe we might do That'd be like a good one. at 80s, 80s 90s. 80s first 90s type thing. Actually, I did turn somebody on. One one thing, one love that we have. Yeah. One thing I would put, put in common for us. Okay. Dwelly. Yes. Dwelly G. Yes. And I, I think I, well, you knew him longer than me. Mm-hmm. And then when I started talking about him, you're like, Psh, Windsor, <laughs> Detroit, come on. Listen. Like, and I was like, okay, fine, fine. Um, but I, yeah, I, I turned somebody on recently to, oh, yeah. to Dwelly G. Okay. And I was like, this is Shalise's. Like, Listen. You, you talk to, you talk to Shalise. Quality Y'all can start music. off the conversation right. with Dwelly G. Right. Except um, his interludes. We were. T- I was here with Khadija talking about interludes yeah. last week. Yeah, his interludes where the interlude where um, he, he's 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 at homegirl's house. Oh no, he's at his house. Yeah, and then she goes to make him <laughs> breakfast, and then his other girl calls it's and like, he starts oh. singing. Yeah, and I was just like, like wow. <laughs> but that song, you know, I'm cheating. Mm-hmm. When I played that, it didn't go over well. I wonder why. But the song is <laughs> I, I said the song is Yeah. Do you know do you know um Pina Colada song? The Pina Colada song, the seventies AM. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Right? That song is about how they he was in a marriage or he was had a girlfriend yeah. and it went sour mm-hmm. and then they put ads in the paper and then Right, they right, right, right. Love. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you listen to that song, yeah. Right? It's him saying, you know, you're like this. You're like this, but my girl's like this. Right. And it's he's actually talking about her. That's it. Um, and I cannot wait. One thing we have to do yeah. is the cheating songs. We have to. Because. Like <laughs> and there's so many undercover ones. I know. <laughs> like. I was, I was talking to, because once I, once I introduced the concept to Julian. Yeah. And he was like, he'd come back and he's like, oh yeah, this one. He's like, ooh, that one's pretty bad. Like, how did that how did they get away with that right. one? Right. Um oh, so many. So that's that's definitely one we have to come back with. Anyway. Absolutely. I said we were gonna sign off. Um, so my people in India, look, I said shout out to my people in India, but on a serious note, I wanna say shout out to my people in India, but stay safe, please. I know yeah. you guys are catching hell right now. A lot going um, on there. so just just make sure you make sure you're staying safe. Um, Chris. 1990. Can I just call you? I wonder if I call you Jamie from now on. If people will realize that I'm, it's Chris, and because I mean, I don't want them to call 1990 Studios and ask for Jamie, and then it's like, who is? It's like this? who's Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll say for the record, you do a better job than Jamie. So womp womp. If that's anything. 1990 Studios, where it's at. Um, guys, this is a lot of fun. Shalise, this is a lot of fun. Um, so thank you very much. And for another week, signing off. See y'all later. Bye.